Rob Simpson, Bruce Boudreaux, Simmer and Gabby. Hey, Gabby. How are you doing today, Simmer? I'm not too bad. That's good. That's good. Uh, it's VancouverHockeyInsider.com. Simmer and Gabby, all over your audio networks and also uh, at SimmerPuck uh, at YouTube, of course. And uh, speaking of VancouverHockeyInsider.com, your former team right now is Red Hot, and Quinn Hughes was just named the first star of the week. That part probably doesn't surprise you at all. Doesn't at all. Like, I mean, he's a great player. Um, he was a great player when I was there. I, I, I've i said it uh, on record many times, I think, out of all the years that I've uh, been in hockey, that he's the best passer, or in the top three, anyway, passers I've ever seen. And he can go from the goal line to the red line on a dart. Uh, he can turn. He's very, very difficult uh, uh, to corner, and uh, his his evadeability because of his ability to skate. His edges are so good that nothing surprises me with him. The only thing that sort of surprised me at all about Quinn is um, that he didn't score more often uh, last year because I know he. We had talked many times in the summer and he was working on his shot and he wanted to shoot it more. And we talked about shooting it more and like, I mean, it was going to happen and he did shoot. It just wasn't going in. Now it's uh, they're starting to go in and there's uh, no doubt in my mind that he should reach double digits and goals this year. And of course, captain named captain before the season started. I think he loves that. Um, not the most prolific guy with the media, but uh, I think he puts up with it because I think he enjoys being in that position. So good for him. We'll talk more about his club here in a second. But as we always do, we'll start off with a little history lesson and a little fun from the background of hockey. And that would be our favorite number 18s today. And I wonder if we're yep. going to have the same one. Probably not. I don't, not probably not. I mean, I got three of them, but I mean, um, uh, and I was uh, involved with all three of them as far as teammates or or, or uh, uh, just part of the organization. So uh, let me hear yours first. All right, I'll go first this week, and it's going to be John Wensick. Oh, nowhere near who I was thinking. <laughs> Uh, I'll never forget. I think it was it was seventy eight, I believe, when he confronted the entire Minnesota North Stars bench. He said, "Come and get it," and yeah. uh, none of them came to get it. Uh, big guy at the time. He had the big fro. I think they called him Moose. He was about six foot, two hundred and five pounds. He's he's fixing up. He actually played three games for the St. Louis Blues originally. Wensick did. Um, and he's living back in Missouri, working on houses and stuff. I interviewed him for a book about, oh God, must be 15 years ago now, but great guy to talk to. And obviously uh, one of the scary guys on those uh, 70s well, Bruins teams. I, I thought he was bigger than what you just said, but that uh, uh, with the hair, he, if uh, <laughs> anybody doesn't remember them, but I've seen the movie Slapshot, he looked like Ogie Oglethorpe. Uh, yep. And it's funny, I was on the NHL network the other day and I referred to that after we were talking about um, uh, Brad Marchand's hit on uh, the, the defenseman for Toronto and that when he went to the bench and no one sort of, you know, uh, said anything, everybody was looking for nickels at the point at that time, except Ryan Reeves. And uh, so it, 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 it brought up the whole Wensink thing. 
Um, very scary. That whole team was scary if you played against them. I mean, they had uh, toughness on every line. But I had, well, I played with uh, one guy in that era who was number 18, was maybe the funniest guy I've ever met, was Jim McKenney. Um, uh, Dennis Savard was probably the best player ever at number 18. But yeah. the guy I would be choosing to talk to was the guy that gave me my my first chance at coaching at the AHL level was Dave Taylor uh, from the LA Kings, Uh, a guy that I still think should be in the hockey hall of fame. When I look at what he's done and what other people have done that are there and uh, I would love to see him, but he gave me one of the nicest men I've ever met. um, And uh, one of the best players played on one of the best lines in the, in the history of the game in the triple crown line with Dion and, and Charlie Simmer. Yep. And, uh, but uh, I would, I, I don't think I'd be doing this uh, podcast with you if it wasn't for Dave Taylor, who got me started him and Bill O'Flaherty from the Kings in the right direction. Wow. Very, very nice. Yes. Only had a chance to run into him, speak to him maybe a couple of times and, and was a super nice dude. So mm. uh, in those Kings teams, they never got over the hump back then, but you're right. Him and Marcel Dion and Charlie Simmer uh, were pretty much magic. Well, I can tell you, if that line was in Toronto or Montreal at the time, or Vancouver, I mean, uh, they would have been a household name as, you know, they would have, they would have had another nickname, like Montreal's, all their great lines and Toronto's had their great lines. So it would have been, it would have been pretty special, but he was good. And I mean, you know what, we got drafted in the same year. um, And uh, we both started off in the Central League. I think he did a little bit more with his time than I did. So it was good. Uh, speaking of lines in Vancouver, we'll get back to the Canucks here. And I want to just read something that uh, a quote from that I jotted down from Rick Tockett and forget analytics. Cause this, this right here is the game for me. Uh, I think somebody was a Russian reporter asking about Andre Kuzmenko and Tockett said, it's not about individual stats. It's a team game. If he scores, that's great for us, but it's also the other parts of the game. We're winning because of the team. I'm not a big individual guy. Obviously, he's got a score for us, but it's more the team game, and I think that's why our team is winning right now. We're buying into that, and buy-in is always a big word for me, and obviously, Gabby, you can address this firsthand. If you got the boys buying into what you're selling, you are halfway through the battle. Oh, absolutely. You don't win unless, uh, uh, you know, well, I mean, if you're not very good, you're you're not going to be very good, but I mean, um, buying in is, is, is something that I, I don't think I've ever had a problem with it. So I have a hard time, um, you know, uh, talking about it because I think everybody, you know, when you're, when you're talking together and you communicate, right, they buy in. Um, and I'm glad Kuzi's Kuzi's doing that. And, and, you know, at the beginning of last year, we had to sit him out a couple games, uh, because I mean, he would be great one night and not so great the other night. And I think he learned. And I mean, uh, and taking nothing away, I agree with Rick 100%, but last year he was on a one-year contract. And sometimes when you come over from Russia and you're on a one-year contract, the the only way you're going to get multi-year deals is if you do score. And that's his thing. And we want him to play a a two-way game right off the bat and a 200-foot game. But sometimes you're looking at your self-preservation. And I think uh, he found out he could score and he could found out that he could 
he could play in the last five minutes of the game and with an empty netter every now and again. So once he started doing that, you know, the, the sky was the limit. And I'm really happy to see that he's doing both and, and they're happy with his game. So that's, uh, that's good. Good on him. Yep. Canucks right now with the second most points in the Western conference, they're eight, two and one, they have 17 points. We talked about Hughes high end talent, obviously Pedersen high end talent. We've talked about JT Miller in the past. So maybe this should come as no surprise, especially with Philip Perona coming over last year and uh, joining Hughes on the blue line on that top pair. So, I mean, we talk about the Kraken with John Forslund pretty much every week. That's a team that lacks a superstar. Vancouver right now might have three or four of them. Well, I know they, I know for sure in the superstar category that they would have Quinn Hughes and Elias Patterson. And maybe Demko. And Demko. That to me, well, he's the key, no matter how good your team is. I mean, if you don't have great goaltending, ask the team they play tonight um, that's struggling in goal. I mean, uh, when your save percentage and uh, is 860, 850, I mean, you're, you're not going to win a lot of games. And that's, uh, uh, but Demko is back to where Demko was. Lundqvist passed to the side, Tyler Sagan in front. Demko, great save, loose puck. And they couldn't put it home. Now Johnson, oh, Demko with the glove. And my first year there, he was outstanding. So we won. Um, the second year, we had problems in net, you know, I mean, but that was, like people have said, I mean, goaltending is, 70% of the game, unless you don't have it, then it's a hundred percent of the game. So, but he's the star. Pedersen's the star. Quinn Hughes is, is they're all superstars. I think in my mind, then you have stars, you have JT Miller as a star. Uh, Aronic is an upcoming star. I don't know why Detroit would have got rid of him, but they did. Um, JT Miller is a really good player. I mean, and you know, with a guy that almost got a hundred points, you'd have to call him a star. Brock Besser's got potential to be a star. Kuzmenko's got to be potential to be a star. They got a lot of guys on that team that can play, and uh, and it, and it's good on them. And uh, I'm really happy for all the players that are having all the success. By the way, Philip Peronik, I think change of scenery was a big thing for him. He's a mid-20s guy, very talented right shot. Obviously, Canucks were looking for a right shot. Part of it sounded like chemistry slash attitude, but of course, chemistry slash attitude in Detroit can change with that change of scenery, and it sounds like maybe that's part of it. It was just, he was, uh, I don't want to say worn out as welcome. I think just the whole thing wasn't working anymore, and it was time to move on, and here he is uh, flourishing with Quinn Hughes, which is probably not a difficult difficult assignment and and you know what it's it's sometimes nobody's fault yeah sometimes it doesn't work for one team or the other we've seen it in every sport that i mean um some guy who might have been mediocre or average at best that goes to another team and becomes a superstar yeah uh and it's uh uh maybe that word is used too much but becomes a very good player and uh, uh, I don't think Philip Ronick is any different. He's always had the offensive ability. I mean, and he's obviously the whole uh, um, Vancouver team has picked up the defensive part of the game. And and he's obviously doing a really good job. Uh, you brought up the goaltending in Edmonton. They play the Canucks tonight. Uh, Canucks may be a surprise. I mean, 8-2-1 and one is a surprise, but we knew they'd be, they'd be better based on all the reasons we brought up, especially with a healthy Demko. On the flip side, the Edmonton Oilers, holy smokes, 2-7-1. and one. Maybe not a surprise when you look at them in their own end and have seen them in their own end over the course of time and their goaltending. Uh, man, oh, man. 
not a but, pretty sight. No, but before we get to Edmonton, too, they also the other thing Canucks uh, have done is uh, their backup Casey DeSmith is an NHL goalie too, and has got NHL experience, and and uh, not putting any of the blame on anybody because I mean they're young goalies, but when they you know uh, Spencer Martin and uh, Colin Delia gave it their best shot, but I mean to have those established NHL goaltenders is a real big plus. Like uh, in Edmonton right now. I mean, I was listening to their game. I was driving home from somewhere yesterday, and um, uh, and and they were really lamenting the goaltending. And uh, when you, like I said, it's it's a struggle, but it's the first thing you look at. You don't look at the the defensive play a lot of the times. You don't look at the uh, the guys back checking or tracking, but you always can see the replay of guys scoring goals. And uh, it's it's a tough job. Uh, there's no doubt there's one that's one job in hockey I would never have wanted to have yeah tough to watch McDavid have to go through those media availabilities every day talking about how yeah that's that's tough but I mean uh, I know it I know all about it when you're losing you know I mean we want to be up there when things are going good and this is what I always said but you got to be able to face the music when things aren't going good so I mean uh, he's a professional he'll get through it he'll do it do a good job I want to switch gears a little bit today to the uh, central division and talk about a team close to your heart because you worked for them. Um, and also it's just a great, it's the state of hockey as they refer to it. And that would be Minnesota. And of course the Minnesota wild, first of all, just for some background, it, it's all, I don't know if you got as much publicity there as you did obviously in Vancouver and you got plenty in Washington with Ovi and, and of course your winter classic appearances and Anaheim. But just talk about being a part. It's almost a Canadian culture, like Michigan in a way. Minnesota is hockey, hockey, hockey. Um, oh yeah, I mean, you know, it's they're almost Canadian because they're so polite. Everybody knows, you know, everybody's thank you and and everything. Uh, uh, but uh, they're quiet people, and I think that's and where they're situated, it doesn't. Um, you you're not the most pressed uh, media savvy. They got Mike Russo, who's you know, as good a reporter as you're ever going to find. But I mean, um, for the most part, uh, Minnesota is a pretty quiet town. And but they know you on the streets. It's not like Anaheim where you could have, you know, lit a bomb down the middle of Main Street and they wouldn't know you're a hockey player. But I mean, it's uh, uh, they knew you everywhere you went. They talked to you. They've got they got uh, a lot. All the um, sports bars have hockey games on at night. I mean, they still have an incredible, and I say incredible, high school tournament and high school um, hockey better than anywhere in the country where you can put 21,000 people in in the St. Paul uh, arena and they hold the record for attendance. And it's not an NHL game. It's a, it's a, a St. Paul hockey or, you know, Minnesota high school hockey. But the thing that I loved about there, I mean, the weather is pretty cold as you would imagine, but I mean, you dress for it. If you're used to Canadian winters, you're used to Minnesota is around every corner. There's so many little lakes there. Okay. Around every corner in the winter, there's hockey nets on the, on the, uh, on the ice and it's frozen ponds. And I mean, uh, uh, you know, I mean, you can see the place where all the kids have shoveled the snow. I mean, there was one time there were kids playing. I just stopped after practice, went out there on the ice with them because they looked like they were having so much fun and just got to 
chat with them and play a little street hockey or ice ball hockey on the ice with them. It was great. That's awesome. Um, their club, it, it's a, it's quite a grouping in the central. It's super competitive. There's only five points separating everyone. Dallas on top at 15. Minnesota's next to last, quote unquote, next to last at seventh, but they have 10 points tied with Nashville. They're only five points out of first. Mm -hmm. uh, it's pretty tight. When you think of their club in general, I mean, they've got most of their guys under contract. They have a forward group. Uh, Kaprasov is a star. There's no question about that. Um, what do you think about things in general? They're getting, they they have solid goaltending. Well, I mean, I think with Minnesota and, you know, I mean, they've always been known as a really good defensive team. They've always been known as a team that sort of lacked the stars, but they had a lot of good players. I mean, they had Marion Gabrick, they have Zach Parisi, they have, uh, um, and now they have Kaprasov. Uh, I think the, the the problem, and I hate to use that word, but last year after, say, uh, January 1st, they had probably the number one defensive team in the league. And uh, I think um, uh, the goalie uh, was at a 930 save percentage, okay? Yeah. Now the big difference is this year they're second or third worst, and their goaltending isn't as good, and they're missing their defense. I I don't think people that don't watch them don't realize how big a player or how good a player Jared Spurgeon is. Right. I think they miss Matt Dumba, uh, yeah. because he was, you know, from the time I was there to the time I left, he was part of that core four defensive. You know, it was Dumba, Brodeen, Spurgeon, Suter, and I mean. All of a sudden, they're 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 started to to get a little bit younger on defense, and they like they got a rookie Brock Faber makes some great plays. He's going to be a good player, but he's going to make rookie mistakes. Goligoski's in and out of the lineup. Uh, uh, they've got you know Middleton was great with Spurgeon, but he's you know like I mean their defense isn't as good. So I mean uh, they play they play a great way. Uh, Bob Woods does a great job with the D. You know, Dean does a good job with the team, but sometimes they're they're a little weaker on D like they are this year. So they've got to score more. And Kaprasov hasn't done the scoring to start the season that he normally would. So consequently, you get a little, uh, you know, you, you you lose a little bit more than you win. But I, I firmly believe this team will catch fire at some point again. The Spurgeon will come back and, and they'll get healthy and the, the goaltending flurry um, and forget what's his name. The Russian guy. I forget well, they have the Guf, the Philip Gustafson. Yeah. Gustafson. He's not Russian. He's yeah. European. Sorry. We uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get it right. And uh, they will be a real good team and they'll challenge for the uh, first, second or third. I think first and second is going to be Colorado Dallas, but I think third through fifth is going to be a, a, a crap shoot right to the end. Yeah. Well, excellent analysis and timely as well, because it's looking like Spurgeon, who uh, had the upper body injury in the preseason game, could be back. He skated for the full hour with the team Monday, which is the day we're recording this right now on Monday. Um, he skated today and could be back in the lineup here almost immediately. So that is great news for them. And of course, you mentioned Matt Dumba. Uh, his name was on the you know trade block for so long, and he ends up now as an Arizona Coyote. But um, he, you know, he's a veteran guy and a depth guy and a strong player. Not as he didn't have the offensive numbers people thought he was originally going to have. You know, the one year 
when I mean he played until December that I was there and he had he had as a defenseman I think he had 10 goals in Dece- by December and then uh, blew out his his shoulder or his upper body and missed the rest of the year and I think that really um uh took a toll on him it took a long time to get back the next year and I think that year he'd only gotten the next year only had one power play goal and and that really because he's got a great shot He's uh, really good at jumping into the play. He's, you know, got offensive instincts. So, I mean, I keep waiting. I keep waiting for him to burst out and, you know, um, get into double digits and goals again. But we'll see. How how would you summarize your your time there? I mean, I loved it. I mean, one thing I've loved everywhere I've gone. I mean, uh, uh, the first year was great. We had 110 points. We had 100 points plus the second year. The third year, um, you know, it, it was we, we had an over 500 record, but I mean, uh, I think Paul Fenton was trying to change the whole direction of the team and made three big trades uh, at the trade deadline. And it, and it hurt us a lot. Um, the fourth year, I knew that, uh, again, sometimes coaches have an idea that their their days are numbered and uh I, I knew it was on the last year of my deal. So I I wasn't really expecting much. That was the only time that surprised me, though, because we were on an eight, three and one run and we had clawed back to within two points of a playoff spot. And and uh, we were about to play uh, San Jose twice, Columbus and um, and uh, Vancouver, as a matter of fact. And I thought, OK, this we're going to make the jump and uh, and then the and then it surprised me by getting the news at that point in time. Was that Fenton, by the way? Oh, that was that was Billy Garen. It switched to Billy Garen. Okay, mm-hmm. you were four games above five hundred at the time, and then you mentioned your yeah. And, you know, but the funny thing is, it was four games above five hundred, but we started out oh five and two. Oof. So after the game seven, you know, we were nine games uh, above five hundred. We were in the upper half of the league uh, from the game eight eight on. And uh, it was just one of those things that, you know, uh, couldn't get any traction at the beginning. But once we got it and it, it, what's funny is how things can come close. The The Rangers just played Minnesota and they they Minnesota beat them in a shootout. My last game was against the Rangers in Minnesota where we lost in a shootout. And when I got let go the next day, they asked uh, Billy Guerin, would he have been let go if. Uh, we had a one and he said, probably not. So that's, that's how close things come out, you know, could have been nine and three and, uh, uh, and going into those four games. And I'm, I'm sure, cause I know they won three out of the, they won two out of the next four, but I think the first game they lost was more because it was sort of a surprise to everybody in the team. I uh, had to get pulled together again, but, uh, um, we would have had a, a good record and it was the lockout year or not the lockout year, but the pandemic year. And uh, uh, I think we would have done pretty good for the rest of the year. Billy Garrett, going to have to call him, give him some grief. Cause uh, that's kind of weird. If you win the shootout, I mean, coach, some coaches hate the shootout and here you are getting fired basically because. You well, no, I mean, he did tell me, <laughs> he did tell me that he was thinking about it for a while. Right. Is that really just, 
Is that a there's case of new, new GM wants his own guy thing? Is that I'm sure it is. I mean, there's not too many coaches that last through three GMs. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, like, I mean, I'm sure it was, it was happening um, at some point, but we kept winning. And I think that's the problem. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, well, I keep winning. I can't fire the guy. Yeah, but, uh, you know, so... But he lost that shootout last night, so I guess this is the yeah, time. Now's the time to get to get him gone. Um, I don't remember what they ended up doing that year. I mean, they I don't they ended up making the playoffs, losing just, losing to either Vancouver, I think, in the in, in the preliminary round yeah. because it was you know uh, um, I think twenty one teams or so or twenty two teams made the yeah. sort of preliminary round the next round was would sort of been classified in my mind as the playoffs but this was the teams that lose in that round want to call it that they made the playoffs teams that win don't classify it as much yeah officially the uh, prelims and you're right vancouver beat uh, minnesota was not considered the first round of the postseason um we're going to hop here in a few minutes as our time goes ticky tick I just want to mention one other thing here that uh, popped up, unless, of course, I got rid of it by accident. Oh, no, here it is. And Minnesota fits right into this. I received a press release this morning from USA Hockey. I found this fascinating. Um, it says USA Hockey announced today that it has surpassed 100,000 players in its eight and under age category for the 13th time since 2010-11 and the only year they didn't reach it was during the pandemic so a hundred thousand kids under the age of eight in the united states playing hockey for the 13th time in 14 years minnesota's a big part of that but uh pretty cool to see that uh you know it's still growing it's still cranking and that's wonderful i mean when you want to see hockey growth and and as a matter of fact if you as you look at the americans that are coming into the game and high-end americans uh, more kids are playing and it just makes sense that uh, uh, if you know the um, the states that once they get their hold on something athletically they go all out and and hockey is something that has really grown by leaps and bounds here and to see a hundred thousand young kids under the age of eight play it's a it's it makes you feel good and it's a it's a really good thing for the u.s uh but potential bad news given those big numbers the talent oh opportunities only increase could be tough news for Canada at the 2042 Olympics, Gabby. So they'll have to be careful there. With all I don't think I'm ever worried about Canada's uh, hockey acumen. Uh, no. the, the, they are going to be great. What Minnesota is like, it's like every town in Canada. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, uh, we may only have 40,000 people living up there, but uh, 37,000 <laughs> of the 37 million of them play hockey. So it's all good. All right. Uh, one last message before we go. Gabby's getting a colonoscopy this week. I had one last year and everybody should out. I remember when Brian Murray, his message when he had cancer, he passed away from prostate cancer, the longtime Ottawa executive. He said, hey, fellas, get your ass into the doctor, get your prostate checked. Well, this is the other one, the colonoscopy, men and women. Do it. Gabby's doing it. I did it. You got to do it. It sucks. You go through it for a couple of days, but Let's well, you know me, it's the 24 hours that you can't eat the day before is the killer. But I mean, uh, uh, it's something that's, you know, uh, you have to do and your health is too important. Get it done, everybody. Get it done. And on that, we uh, we bid you adieu. 
Uh, Gabby, thank you very much. Great stuff. Enjoy the hockey action, and we'll see you soon. Thank you. See you later. Have a good night. Thank you.